a good like it's much grayer than like goodies and baddies like when it comes to the intellectual history of it and that is something that i feel like people can't face because they need the goodies for like their political project in the present to like build it upon you know yeah. and so then that I, mean, ends I would up imagine just sanitizing that, everyone you know like I, just, I would imagine even that a bunch of like fascists or maybe like bat fans or whatever like if they did stand luigi russolo they wouldn't want to hear about how he's obsessed with like theosophy like that's cringe you know it's like no he was a based fascist who like believed in blah 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 you know what i mean like and yeah, i mean maybe I deep really down they're all Bap theosophists pro, too like some theosophical ideas but i guess a woman basically was like the main exponent of a theosophy, jewish woman so i feel like that would be yeah but then again bap is allegedly jewish so he um, is so yeah he's uh, like tutored by zionists at yale but yeah um yeah so it's hard to figure out what's really going on but i think you could see that like even for uh for for all kinds of camps like this guy, like the the theosophist elephant in the room, once again, is the thing that like nobody wants to talk about, but it, it's like worth talking about or bringing in uh, as as valuable context. Um, now, I just want to read a little bit from the Art of Noise manifesto. I have okay. a version yeah. that was printed in English uh, by Something Else Press in 1967. I don't know if this is in UK or in the US or both. But uh, but I assume I mean a propitious time for this to come out again in 1967, right? The you know the summer of love and mm -hmm. you know the British mod scene, like all this stuff popping off. So there there are some points or some rants that he makes in here about like noises and about uh, quote unquote pure sounds and like traditional music and stuff. This is really like an angry like Substack post against quote unquote classical music and i find it striking because it does feel very legitimately prophetic i mean we can talk afterwards about like well what's he really getting at and what will the consequences be but just want to share it because like this is stuff that uh mm -hmm. when he was getting into his experimental music phase like this is the clearest distillation of like what he's going for and uh his ideas around uh music so He's writing to another futurist, uh, Balilla Pratella, or Pratella, who was uh, like a train composer. Yeah, so he writes, My dear Balilla Pratella, great futurist musician, on March 9th, 1913, during our bloody victory over 4,000 Passeists in the Costanzi Theater of Rome, we were fist and cane fighting in defense of your futurist music, performed by a powerful orchestra, when suddenly my intuitive mind conceived a new art that only your genius can create the art of noises, logical consequence of your marvelous innovations. In antiquity, life was nothing but silence. Noise was really not born before the 19th century with the advent of machinery. Today, noise reigns supreme over human sensibility. For several centuries, life went on silently or mutedly. The loudest noises were neither intense nor prolonged nor varied. In fact, nature is normally silent, except for storms, hurricanes, avalanches, cascades, and some exceptional telluric movements. This is why man was thoroughly amazed by the first sounds he obtained out of a hole in reeds or a stretched string. Primitive people attributed to sound a divine origin. It became surrounded with religious respect and reserved for the priests, who thereby enriched their rites with a new mystery. Thus was developed the conception of sound as something apart, different from and independent of life. The result of this was music, a fantastic world superimposed upon reality, an inviolable and sacred world. 
This hieratic atmosphere was bound to slow down the progress of music, so the other arts forged ahead and bypassed it. The Greeks, with their musical theory mathematically determined by Pythagoras, according to which only some consonant intervals were admitted, have limited the domain of music until now and made almost impossible the harmony they were unaware of. Middle Ages music did progress through the development and modifications of the Greek tetrachord system, but people kept considering sound only in its unfolding through time, a narrow conception so persistent that we still find it in the very complex polyphonies of the Flemish composers. The chord did not yet exist. The development of the different parts was not subordinated to the chord that these parts could produce together. The conception of these parts was not vertical, but merely horizontal. The need for and the search for simultaneous union of different sounds, that is to say of its complex, the chord, came gradually. The assonant common chord was followed by chords enriched with some random dissonances to end up with the persistent and complicated dissonances of contemporary music. First of all, musical art looked for the soft and limpid purity of sound. Then it amalgamated different sounds, intent upon caressing the ear with suave harmonies. Nowadays, musical art aims at the shrillest, strangest, and most dissonant amalgams of sound. Thus, we are approaching, and he puts in bold, noise sound. This revolution of music is paralleled by the increasing proliferation of machinery sharing in human labor. In the pounding atmosphere of great cities, as well as in the formerly silent countryside, machines create today such a large number of varied noises that pure sound, with its littleness and its monotony, now fails to arouse any emotion. To excite our sensibility, music has developed into a search for a more complex polyphony and a greater variety of instrumental tones and coloring. It has tried to obtain the most complex succession of dissonant chords, thus preparing the ground for, all bold, musical noise. Hmm. <laughs> okay. This evolution toward noise sound is only possible today. The ear of an 18th century man never could have withstood the discordant intensity of some of the chords produced by our orchestras, whose performers are three times as numerous. On the other hand, our ears rejoice in it, for they are attuned to modern life, rich in all sorts of noises. But our ears, far from being satisfied, keep asking for bigger acoustic sensations. However, musical sound is too restricted in the variety and the quality of its tones. The most complicated orchestra can be reduced to four or five categories of instruments with different sound tones. Rubbed string instruments, pinched string instruments, metallic wind instruments, wooden wind instruments, and percussion instruments. Music marks time in this small circle and vainly tries to create a new variety of tones. Again in bold, we must break at all costs from this restrictive circle of pure sounds and conquer the infinite variety of noise sounds. Each sound carries with it a nucleus of foreknown and foregone sensations predisposing the auditor to boredom, in spite of all the efforts of innovating composers. All of us have liked and enjoyed the harmonies of the great masters. For years, Beethoven and Wagner have deliciously shaken our hearts. Now we are fed up with them. Again in bold, this is why we get infinitely more pleasure imagining combinations of the sounds of trolleys, autos, and other vehicles, and loud crowds, than listening once more, for instance, to the heroic or pastoral symphonies. It is hardly possible to consider the enormous mobilization of energy that a modern orchestra represents without concluding that the acoustic results are pitiful. And th this is actually pretty funny. Uh, th this whole paragraph, he really goes in. Mm -hmm. Is there anything more ridiculous in the world than 20 men slaving to increase the plaintive meowing of violins? 
This plain talk will make all music maniacs jump in their seats, which will stir up a bit the somnolent atmosphere of, a, of concert halls. Shall we visit one of them together? Let's go inside one of these hospitals for anemic sounds. See, the first bar is dripping with boredom, stemming from familiarity, and gives you a foretaste of the boredom that will drip from the next bar. In this fashion, we sip from bar to bar two or three sorts of boredom and keep waiting for the extraordinary sensation that will never materialize. Meanwhile, we witness the brewing of a heart-rending mixture composed of the monotony of the sensations and the stupid and religious swooning of the audience, drunk on experiencing for the thousandth time with almost Buddhist patience, with elegant and fashionable ecstasy, and this is in all caps, PUA! <laughs> Let's get out quickly, for I can't repress much longer the intense desire to create a true musical reality, finally, by distributing big, loud slaps right and left, <laughs> stepping and pushing over violins and pianos, bassoons and moaning organs. Let's go out! Some will object that noise is necessarily unpleasant to the ear. The objection is futile, and I don't intend to refute it, to enumerate all the delicate noises that give pleasant sensations. To convince you of the surprising variety of noises, I will mention thunder, wind, cascades, rivers, streams, leaves, a horse trotting away, the starts and jumps of a carriage on the pavement, the white solemn breathing of a city at night, all the noises made by feline and domestic animals, and all those man's mouth can make without talking or singing. Let's walk together through a great modern capital, with the ear more attentive than the eye, and we will vary the pleasures of our sensibilities by distinguishing among the gurglings of water, air, and gas inside metallic pipes, the rumblings and rattlings of engines breathing with obvious animal spirits, the rising and falling of pistons, the stridency of mechanical saws, the loud jumping of trolleys on their rails, the snapping of whips, the whipping of flags. We will have fun imagining our orchestration of department stores, sliding doors, the hubbub of the crowds, the different roars of railroad stations, iron foundries, textile mills, printing houses, power plants, and subways. And we must not forget the very new noises of modern warfare. And then he quotes like a crazy like stream of consciousness poem from uh, a guy writing uh, from a war in, Bulba sorry, oh, in is Bulgaria. This, is this where he quotes Marinetti? Yeah, Marinetti. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the poet yeah, Marinetti. who was like the real big futurist guy who basically wrote the Futurist Manifesto, which is very, very like nakedly fascist. Um, uh, I mean, the way this guy kind of gets off on the sounds of warfare uh, definitely sounds a little oh, bit yeah. like uh, just read like two lines like one, two, three, four, five seconds. The siege cannons gut the silence by a chord. Tum tum. Immediately echoes, 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 all echoes quick. Take it, crumble it, spread it, infinite distance to hell. In the center, center of these flattened tatums with 50 square kilometers leap, two, three, six, eight splinters, fisticuffs, head rammings, rapid fire batteries, violence, ferocity, regularity, pendulum game, fatality, this grave base, apparent slowness. Scan the strange madmen, very young, very mad, 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 very agitated altos of the battle fury. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, you get the idea. Um, he is a uh, pretty about like I mean and yeah there is a musicality to a modern warfare and industrial society itself I mean basically right here he's he is kind of predicting um, what would eventually become uh, all kinds of electronic music but particularly uh, industrial music right yeah which uh, Genesis Peorage was one of the, like the really originators of but you could argue that craft work dabbled in it in some of their mid 70s records um, as well 
and uh, some other experimental, well, we'll talk about that soon, but there was a lot of experimental people a few decades after this that started to get into that. So, you know, he goes on to talk about how each noise possesses a pitch and, you know, it has these irregular vibrations and that they should be kind of manipulated in a way and combined with other things and other pitches and stuff to create like a totally new type of music. And uh, I forget if he says here, no, he doesn't talk about trains in this, but somebody else talked about trains and how trains are positive like the, the sound <laughs> they of a train are no uh, i mean we're gonna get into a lot of train worship in the history of electronic music well um, to say yeah the least, i mean but. if you like really like look at the futurist manifestos that like marinetti wrote throughout his career like it's much m- more like just like in the manifesto like the founding manifesto of futurism you know, uh, he wrote, you know, he has this bulleted list where he says, uh, one, we intend to sing the love of danger, the habit of energy and fearlessness. Two, courage, audacity, and revolt will be essential elements of our poetry. Three, up to now, literature has exalted a pensive immobility, ecstasy, and sleep. We intend to exalt aggressive action, a feverish insomnia, the racer's stride, the mortal leap, the punch and the slap. So it's all kind of like abstract right now, but, you know, uh, so I'm going to skip like, a little bit ahead, but you, you know, uh, so seven, except in struggle, there's no more beauty. No work without an aggressive character can be a masterpiece. Poetry must be conceived as a violent attack on unknown forces to reduce and prostrate them before man. Eight, we stand on the last promontory of the centuries. Why should we look back on what we want us to break down the mysterious doors of the impossible? Time and space died yesterday. We already live in the absolute because we have created eternal omnipresent speed. Nine, we will glorify war, the world's only hygiene. Militarism, patriotism, the destructive gesture of freedom bringers, beautiful ideas worth dying for, and scorn for woman. Ten, we will destroy the museums, libraries, academies of every kind. We will fight moralism, feminism, every opportunistic or utilitarian cowardice. 11. We will sing of great crowds excited by work, by pleasure, and by riot. We will sing of the multicolored, polyphonic tides of revolution in the modern capitals. We will sing of vibrant, nightly fervor of arsenals and shipyards blazing with violent electric moons. Greedy railway stations that devour smoke-plumed serpents. Factories hung on clods by the crooked lines of their smoke. Bridges that stride the rivers of gi- like giant gymnasts, flashing in the sun with the glitter of knives. Adventurous steamers that sniff the horizon. Deep-chested locomotives whose wheels paw the tracks like the hooves of enormous steel horses bridled by tubing and the sleek flight of planes whose propellers chatter in the wind like banners and seem to cheer like an enthusiastic crowd so yeah you kind of uh get like again early on you can kind of see how like that almost could be like some sort of like i don't know like uh like brecht or something or like some like mm-hmm. like uh, someone associated with that like uh, p- i don't know like piscatory like you could almost see like this being some kind of like leftist thing of like you know embracing industrialization and art like uh something like that you know like yeah, yeah. and then slowly and that's like kind of how i think some of the historiography of futurism shockingly like does kind of deal with it and i think that there you know there's yeah, all of them were heckin' leftists. Like, like, well, you know, it's. I feel like it's so. Futurism is like such a transparent case that it's not like that bad. But there are definitely wedge cases. Like, I mean, uh, Rosoli is an example where 
he was like being regarded as an anti-fascist despite being like this is the the best uh thing that or like you know the the best example um that uh marinari uh wrote about uh you know, uh, his support for uh, fascism and for sort of war in general, discussing the the war in Ethiopia, right? He says, For 27 years, we futurists have rebelled against the idea that war is anti-aesthetic. We therefore state, war is beautiful because, thanks to its gas mask, its terrifying megaphones, its flamethrowers and light tanks, it establishes man's dominion over the subjugated machine. War is beautiful because it inaugurates the dreamed-of metalization of the human body. War is beautiful because it enriches a flowering meta with the fiery orchids of machine guns. War is beautiful because it combines gunfire barrages, ceasefires, scents, and the fragrance of putrefaction into a symphony. War is beautiful because it creates new architectures like those of armored tanks, geometric squadrons of aircrafts, spirals of smoke from burning villages, and much more. Poets and artists of futurism, remember these principles of an aesthetic of war, that they may illuminate your struggles for a new poetry and a new sculpture. Okay, that sounds like some bap shit right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, just kind of, yeah, war, well, war is based in Chad. Yeah. If you, if you don't glorify war, the beauty of, like, war and destruction, you live in a longhouse or something. Like, it's, uh, it's spiritual. Yeah, like, not liking war is spiritually bad. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Aware of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad.